Hello everyone, welcome back to But Is It Healthy? Today we're going to be asking a question that people have been asking since at least the early 2000s, if not before that. And that question is, are antiperspirants healthy? So the inspiration for this episode should be summed up quite nicely by this lovely quote from one of the articles I found. This article is dated in 2002, and the fact that this is still happening makes me smile and a little bit sad. This quote is as follows. The rumor that antiperspirant causes breast cancer continues to circulate the internet. That's the entire premise of this, basically. If you have managed to avoid influencers for the last five years, you're doing great. I applaud you. For those of you that haven't, you may have come across an advertisement in some form, depending on whatever media you consume, where you are personal influencer that you follow, watch, have had inflicted on you by the algorithm, has come on talking about natural deodorant and how it contains no aluminum. What they're specifically talking about are antiperspirants. Antiperspirants, as defined by the United States regulatory body, the FDA, are substances that contain aluminum zirconium tetrachlorohydroxyglai. AZG is the acronym for that, because if you think I'm going to try to say those words throughout this episode, you are dead wrong. But anyways, aluminum-free deodorants are basically deodorants that do not have antiperspirants in them because of this chemical. This particular chemical gets a bad rap because one, it contains aluminum, and two, it is the antiperspirant. Its entire job is to form a bond with your sweat glands and basically block them. It occludes them, keeps them from producing sweat. Additionally, this particular chemical substance, when powdered or in its anhydride form, is very good at absorbing moisture. So you get a two for two as far as antiperspirant goes. One, it's stopping your body from being able to secrete sweat. And two, any sweat that is secreted is then promptly absorbed because it will form a chemical bond with this particular substance. So honestly, if your goal is to stop sweat, this is very effective. They they were onto something when they came up with this. I don't have an exact date for that. Um, its mechanism seems to have been very thoroughly studied back in the 80s. There are lots of articles that come up. Even if you just put in antiperspirant into most scholarly search engines, you're going to come back with articles from the 80s talking about how this mechanism works. They had some idea of what it did before then, hence why it's used. I do apologize for the fact that there is an airplane in the background, but we persevere. Now I said this product gets a bad rap because it contains aluminum. Well, lots of people are very concerned with the idea that your body is absorbing the aluminum and that it is causing cancer. Now, there are some studies that would show a correlation between the prevalence of breast cancer and the use of antiperspirants. However, these studies are not necessarily studies that I'm super confident in. We will address a couple of them in this episode today. But basically, let's look at the goals of antiperspirants and why you should and shouldn't use them. The primary goal with antiperspirants is to stop sweat. People do not want the smell or experience of sweating during the day. It can damage your clothes. It's unpleasant. Just straight up, everyday people don't want to sweat, so they want to use an antiperspirant. Another goal with antiperspirants is specifically the treatment of hyperhidrosis. So 
I said people don't want to sweat. If you have a condition that causes your body to sweat in excess, you really don't want to sweat. And antiperspirants have commonly been used in combination with other therapies to reduce those symptoms and help people with hyperhidrosis go about their everyday lives. Now, one of the hazards that people are so worried about is cancer. We're going to have to talk a lot about that because that's the primary thing that people are saying is unhealthy about this, ignoring the fact that you're preventing your body from sweating. Now, there was not a ton of research that I found that looked at whether or not there was a major danger to not sweating, which I thought was a little bit different. Um, there were studies done on people who cannot sweat and the negative impacts that has on their life, but actual preventing of underarm sweat, I didn't find negatives. And I'm, I'm using that as my kind of go-to here because that's mostly where people think of for antiperspirants. Unless, of course, you have hyperhidrosis and then you're putting it more likely on your hands or your feet in addition to that because that's where you're going to see the most negative impact on your life. So we've already talked about how this product does work very well as to prevent your body from sweating. It gives you that lovely two for one. So I'm going to say it's effective if you want it to prevent sweat. So right off the top, that's doing good. Additionally, we have a 2022 review on the treatment of hyperhidrosis. This is a review that gets updated every couple of years. They came back and said antiperspirants, or AZG in particular, when used in combination with corticosteroids, is still going to be your first line of treatment. Now, it is not claiming that this is the most effective treatment. However, this is one of the more cost-effective treatments, and it is often used by most people who have this condition because it's just so easy to access it. And it provides short-term relief as well as not having any major long-term consequences that we know of. And that actually is going to be where I transition into the relationship to cancer. Now, a 2012 study specifically looked at antiperspirant use in women who are undergoing beam radiotherapy while they have stage one, two, and three of breast cancer. This is a concern because adding anything to your body, having metal on your body while you're undergoing radiation therapy, has lots of concerns. People have looked at this with other things as well, not just deodorants we've talked about. Well, I haven't talked about it yet, but this may be coming. Tattoos are a major one when you want to talk about potential for metal being in your body while you're going on radiation therapy. And what this 2012 study did, and it was a controlled study that they took patients who were receiving this therapy at all three stages of cancer, and they were checking specifically to see if you had a skin reaction during or if you started to notice any consequences in a follow-up period. Now, they had a couple different follow-up periods depending on the kind of cancer, and unfortunately, given the subject matter, your follow-up periods were a lot shorter in the cases of women who are suffering from stage three and stage is four. But with that in mind, they came back and said, you're not going to have a skin reaction or you're not going to have a skin reaction that you wouldn't have already had from the radiation therapy. And there did not seem to be any lasting consequences on quality of life. It didn't aggravate the symptoms of radiation longer. It didn't prolong things. It didn't make you test positive for radiation in a longer period. So it came back and basically said, 
let women wear antiperspirants while receiving radiation therapy. Again, if you hear background noise, I'm very sorry. The construction has moved to in front of my home and it does not matter how much soundproofing I put up, it will still be here. But anyways, moving right along. So is there an actual concern for this causing cancer? Well, I have my opinion, but we're gonna go through the research. A 2002 study specifically looked at whether or not this was the case. That was the study that we got our quote from at the beginning of all this. It was a population-based case study. So what they did was they went through and they got people from breast cancer positive patients and non-breast cancer patients. So what they came out to was they had 813 participants in the breast cancer condition and 793 controls. So those were people without breast cancer. And basically they looked at their use of antiperspirants, deodorants, and shaving. Now, shaving comes up a lot when you wanna talk about this because people think that by shaving, you have exposed yourself more to aluminum, either by the razor blade or by opening up your skin more and get, having more contact. The study found no increased risk of cancer in any condition, including when shaving and antiperspirant in the same um, grooming session, I guess. They, they had a time frame, which I thought was a little bit odd, but you have to put controls like that in just when you're trying to design a study. So, and that study, I think, is a very good example of when we look at this and go, okay, there's, there's no correlation. Following along with that, <laughs> We're going to go chronologically for this research here because I don't know how else to break it down without my bias controlling this. So a 2003 study looked at whether or not shaving and antiperspirant use was associated with an earlier diagnosis of breast cancer. Now, what this meant, because a lot of times when we talk about early diagnosis, we mean we want to catch the disease earlier. In this case, they don't say what stage they caught the disease. They don't give you any information on that. They are specifically looking at what age the participant was diagnosed with breast cancer and what age the participant shaved and how frequently they shaved and used antiperspirants in combination. This study did come back with some results indicating that individuals who started shaving and using antiperspirants before the age of 16 got diagnosed with breast cancer at an earlier age than participants who did not. I have problems with this study. I have problems with this study because they don't mention whether or not it is at stage one, stage two. We know that all of the participants in this study survived because this is a follow-up study. These people were in the registry for breast cancer. That was how they recruited participants. It, it doesn't give a lot of other data about that. It doesn't tell us whether or not this was an early diagnosis. It doesn't talk about pre-existing risk factors other than ethnicity and age. That's, that's all it gives us. And I really don't like that they didn't have a control base with general population but then I don't know how that would have worked for this study anyways, the way they designed it. Overall, I have my concerns. I have expressed them. Now, moving along in our chronological order, I'm actually skipping the next study that I found due to its incredibly complicated 
results and its rather concerning methodology. So skipping that study and just going to 2017, we're looking at antiperspirants as they were evaluated by a group that was looking at aluminum in industrial settings, and they wanted to see what could cause hyperaluminium anemia for aluminum. So basically how you got too much aluminum in your system. So they looked at that, they had their numbers, and basically aluminum is absorbed through the skin at a 0.01% to a 0.06% in average. And that's in undamaged skin. So basically you you're, don't have cuts, no abrasions, and assuming that that is your skin when you're applying antiperspirant, you're, you're not going to get enough. You just can't. It is a small amount in your antiperspirant anyways. And even if you were applying it every day in combination multiple times, you're just not going to be able to get enough absorbed through your skin to see any effects of that. They did note that they would like to see more research done on damaged skin. So they specifically mentioned that, you know, if you're using antiperspirants and you're shaving, there may be more of a risk, but they don't want to claim that because they, they don't have the data. They don't like the data that's out there. So that was the 2017 study. All that together, basically, it doesn't look like there's too big of a risk now. May there be some risk? Yes but that depends on how you choose to interpret that 2003 study and really at what stage you are catching the cancer. So I would, I'm not confident in ruling that there is absolutely 100% no relationship, but I am comfortable saying that you probably have to be eating it <laughs> in order to be getting enough aluminum to be seeing a direct correlation between the two. Um, one other study that is worth mentioning is basically that I found a 2016 study that does not talk about cancer. It does not talk about hyperhidrosis. What this study was looking at was they just wanted to see how antiperspirant use affected your microbiome in your underarm because quite frankly, you have a plethora of bacteria living there. Those bacteria are actually what contribute to the smell more so than your actual sweat does according to this study. And there's other research that backs that up. This study was very small, but because basically they said what has been said many, many times before, I'm comfortable quoting it. And that's basically that antiperspirants have the side effect of killing a number of the bacteria that live in your underarm, which overall helps reduce the smell for a longer term than just while you're wearing the deodorant, or, well, in this case, the antiperspirant. I'm sorry, I'm so used to them being interchangeable terms that trying to put the brain shift in here is a challenge, but it is good to note that they are different once again. So with that in mind, it basically said that, you know, you're decreasing that microbiome once again, antiperspirants work to reduce smell. So I guess that does actually lead us into a wrap-up, which is, are antiperspirants healthy? Yes and no. Antiperspirants are very healthy if you suffer from hyperhidrosis. You should be using antiperspirants. You should be working particularly with your dermatologist, but there's not a high risk associated with them, 
even if you don't have hyperhidrosis, it is not likely that they contribute to breast cancer or any other kind of cancer, and they cannot trigger hyperaluminium. There we go, that is as close as I'm going to be able to get to pronouncing that word in humans when applied externally because of how low your absorption is. With that in mind, I hope that you all can more critically evaluate those influencers who are talking about how great it is that their deodorant is aluminum free. Is, is it working? Can you assure me that it's working? Dear influencer, because I now have concern. But I hope you all are having a great week and I hope you learned something today, so rock on. Thank you.